Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. My friend's ex-wife gets his family business shut down and burns their lives to the ground. This story isn't about me, but two people that I'm friends with. We'll call one Ray and one Justin. For some background, Ray and Justin grew up in an extremely restrictive, insular religious community that borders on being a cult. They both read a lot from a young age, even though reading outside of the religion's material was discouraged, and so both of them grew increasingly skeptical and dissatisfied with their environment due to having this peek into the outside world. In high school, this shared mindset brought them together, and they started secretly dating. For context, dating was absolutely strictly verboten in this religious community. You went straight from single to married with zero in between. So when Justin and Ray's parents caught them dating, they forced them to get married. To be clear, it wasn't like they were even having sex. They basically were driving around together and holding hands in the downtown square where all the kids hung out. Very tame, sheltered kid stuff. Ray and Justin started living together as husband and wife, but unfortunately for their families, putting those two together doubled their resiliency, and together they cooked up a plan to get out. They set up a secret bank account at a bank outside the religious community's influence, since their families had access to their accounts, and everyone who worked at the main bank was also in the same community and gossiped about everyone's financial transactions. They started squirreling away money in small amounts that the families wouldn't question being missing from their paychecks. When they were 20, they finally had enough money to start over, and they got out. They basically left their house in the dead of the night, with nothing but what could fit in their car, and uprooted to live across the country. Pretty quickly after they moved, they decided to get amicably divorced, since they never wanted to be married anyway. They still lived together for a while, and basically became something between platonic roommates and each other's only family. Over time, they started dating other people. Some partners were scared off by the weird relationship between them, but most got it, and understood that Justin and Ray had basically bonded through mutual trauma. I also met both of them during this time, and we became close friends. This whole time, both their families and other members of their community were relentlessly harassing them. People were showing up at their house at all hours, and they had reason to believe people were trying to steal their identities over the years, though they'd fortunately both put a freeze on their credit, so nothing ever came of it. Then Justin had a bad accident. A really bad accident. He was on his bike, and a car blew through a stop sign without slowing down, and plowed right into him. He had to be rushed to the hospital and landed into the ICU. Ray was his emergency contact and I was with her and some other friends when she got the call. I immediately drove her to the hospital with a couple of other people and she was melting down, understandably. The hospital staff wouldn't let us all in when we got there, but they let Ray in. She came out periodically to let us know what was going on. Justin wasn't unconscious, but he was totally out of it and didn't seem to know that she was there. 
probably from the painkillers, but she was convinced that he had permanent debilitating brain damage, and basically the group of us were just soothing her and reassuring her that it would be fine. A friend of ours who worked at the hospital as an MRI tech was also stopping by when she could on her breaks and calming down Ray. We had been there all night and part of the day at this point, and the medical staff was giving us reason to be hopeful. But things got worse. To this day, no one knows how they found out, but 14 hours after Justin's accident, his parents, uncles, and grandfather showed up. They immediately had all of us removed from the ICU, Ray included. Unfortunately, as his ex-wife, she was no longer his legal next of kin and had no rights against his blood family. At this point, she was absolutely hysterical and inconsolable. She was convinced Justin's family would hurt him. I'm ashamed to say that all three of us that were there with her thought that she was overreacting. We all knew Ray and Justin had left a screwed up situation, but it wasn't like his own family would do anything to impede his recovery. She was getting angry with us for trying to calm her down, and tried to explain that according to their religion, she and Justin deserved punishment from God, and only the greatest suffering could prompt repenting and redemption. She said their families embraced this kind of thinking and wanted them to suffer, because it would prove that they did the wrong thing by leaving, and suffering would drive them back to the fold. She said as long as Justin was with his family, he wouldn't be safe. Our friend who worked for the hospital came and found Ray at that point. She made Ray swear up and down that she wouldn't tell anyone she told her this, because she could get in deep trouble for releasing privileged information to someone unauthorized. But she had caught wind that Justin's parents were aggressively demanding the hospital release him into their care, and they were involving lawyers. The hospital was currently refusing because Justin wasn't stable enough to leave, but our friend warned Ray that as soon as Justin's got to be stable, or the lawyers scared the hospital enough, it's possible the parents would be able to take Justin. This shocked the rest of us. Realizing his parents were not only willing to remove Justin from the hospital that had saved his life in the condition he was still in, but were actively trying to do it, made us really get, for the first time, why Ray was going out of her head with fear. At this point, Ray snapped into do or die mode. Convinced that Justin was about to literally die if she didn't act, she decided that she would do everything in her power to start a fire at home so that Justin's family would want to run back to put it out. And this wasn't too hard, because she had a lot of dirt on the whole community that she came from. Like a madwoman, she started blowing the whistle all over Justin's family. She called the IRS's fraud hotline and detailed all the ways that the family business was committing tax fraud. She submitted an ATF tip about how the same family business was illegally selling firearms without a license and without following any of the proper protocols, and was knowingly selling guns to convicted felons. She reported one of Justin's uncles for owning several guns as a convicted felon. She also reported Justin's mum's unlicensed daycare business, which was apparently extremely shady including having over 30 children packed into one house, with Justin's mum as the only adult, and many of the children's duties being farmed out to Justin's 12 and 14-year-old sisters. She called CPS on Justin's uncle and his parents for keeping their children out of school, and for physical abuse in one uncle's case. In all of these reports, she provided extensive details. She finished her calls and emails, and then she waited. We all waited for several hours and nothing happened. 
Then, miraculously, Justin became lucid enough to understand what was going on and make his own decisions, and he kicked his family out again. From there began a slow but steady path to recovery. In all the relief and excitement to see Justin's mend, we'd almost forgotten about Ray's campaign of desperation until a couple of weeks later, when the screaming voicemails started pouring in to the both of them. First, the business was being investigated by the IRS, then it was being investigated for illegal firearms dealing, then the daycare was getting investigated. At first, Ray felt a little guilty, but then she was like, you know what? No regrets. They would have killed Justin. From what they've been able to piece together in the year and a half since this happened, the business has gone under and the daycare is shuttered. The uncle is six months into a new five-year prison sentence for firearms possession. CPS investigated, which scared the crap out of the family, but nothing really came of it, which is especially sad in the case of the cousins being physically abused. That said, the parents are now too scared to keep the kids home from school, and with the unlicensed daycare shut down, the mum's not exploiting her daughter's labour anyway, so she has no incentive to keep them home. So Justin's little siblings are at least getting their education. Justin and Ray are both happy and thriving. Justin, unfortunately, will never fully recover from the accident. He has some permanent neurological damage that results in tremors, but he's pumped to be alive. He can work a full-time job, he can still be pretty physically active, and as far as I'm concerned, he wins. And now in the comments. As someone that comes from an insular cult family, that is amazing. I've noticed that often bad people tend to do a lot of bad things and get arrogant with what they feel they can get away with. They are setting themselves up in a way that can really hurt. Kudos to Ray and Justin for escaping from a fellow SKP. And OP says, I naively assumed before all of this that even the worst families ultimately don't want their loved ones to be hurt or to die, and this really changed my perspective. It's hard for people who grow up in good homes to understand what a truly toxic and abusive family can be like, and I still feel a lot of guilt for not trying harder before this happened to understand what Justin and Ray had experienced earlier in their lives. Anytime anyone tells me that my abusive family members love me and only have good intentions, I want to hurl. Good on you for being a good friend and trusting them. Plenty of folks don't bow even to clear evidence. You saw the truth, and I'm sure that it was a relief to them to have their friends fully on their side. If they haven't already, they should get powers of attorney signed so the family can't do this again. And OP says, that's a good idea. They both have a lot of anxiety about one of them getting sick or injured again, and I don't think that they've thought about this as an option. If there is such a thing as an, uh, dibs, not power of attorney, so to speak, like officially disowning family so they can't speak for you in these situations. Well, somebody has to be in charge. If it's not family, you need to appoint someone who is. Otherwise, if you were in an accident, who does the hospital talk to? So I don't think that you can just disempower family without appointing someone else. But they can appoint anyone they want. It's really easy to do with legal zoom. Do you think a member of his family ran him over? That's a chilling thought, but no. The guy who hit him was just some random college guy who was driving drunk with a bunch of passengers. So they caught him at least. Yeah, he was the one who called the ambulance. He didn't flee or anything. Civil suit? Yeah, there was some kind of settlement, but I don't know the details. And now, onto the update. 
So to recap, in early September 2017, Justin got in a bad bike accident and his family came out of nowhere. Despite Justin and Ray being no contact with him, and tried to have him removed from the hospital where he was receiving care. Ray freaked out and blew the whistle on a bunch of illegal crap that was happening in both of their families of origin. Not a whole lot came of it, to be honest, once the heat blew over. The biggest effect was that Justin's uncle went to prison for the family business illegally selling handguns, but he is now out for a while on parole. It sounds like Justin's mom is back to her old shenanigans, running an unlicensed daycare out of her home. For context, the religious group that Justin and Ray come from basically run and own their town. And these things are all extremely common there. No one properly documents firearm sales. Because Second Amendment? Many members of this religious group are felons and still own guns. Again, I guess because Second Amendment. Businesses are frequently run outside of proper licensure and regulations with rampant tax avoidance and tax fraud. Because they answer only to the laws of God and children are often exploited for their labor and generally neglected slash not treated well. Probably in part because it's common for couples to marry very young and then have five plus children. Justin is one of three children, which is considered an unusually small family. So since I last posted in March of 2019, of course, a lot has happened in the meantime. Ray and her girlfriend got engaged at the end of 2019 and were planning their wedding for early fall 2020. When the pandemic happened, they ended up doing a small outdoor elopement that summer instead, with about 10 witnesses, including me and a few others of our core friend group, who Justin and Ray refer to as their chosen family. Justin got ordained online through the Universal Life Church and performed the ceremony. It was an awesome day. Ray's family upped their harassment considerably between her engagement and the wedding. Members of their religious order who lived in our city were showing up at her house to try to talk to her. When she wouldn't answer the door, they would leave creepy notes taped to their door with short messages like, Repent. After the wedding though, the contact dropped off considerably, which she was very happy about. Justin is doing well. He's been in a serious relationship for the last two years with a woman that we all love, who has meshed into our little chosen family very well. He has also made amazing progress on his neurological issues from the accident. The doctors say the effects will never go away, but he's adapted really well. He's working full-time with no problem and is cycling every day again. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
He's still getting a lot of harassment, unfortunately, but it never escalates to anything scarier than a lot of phone calls, which he blocks as new numbers pop up, and the occasional doorbell, which he never answers. Justin and Ray still don't know how their families of origin are tracking them. They have been living in our city for over a decade now, and they've each moved residences several times during that time frame and changed their numbers a few times. Each time, the family seems to know that new information almost immediately. They continue calling them and leaving voicemails at the new numbers, members of their religious group are showing up at the house almost immediately, etc. Justin was subletting for a couple of years in a gated condo complex, which was awesome while it lasted, since his family's emissaries couldn't get in. After my last post, I bullied them into getting a forensic sweep of all their devices and digital accounts, but it turned up nothing. No spyware on their devices, no logins to any of their accounts coming from their birth state, etc. Their social media is heavily locked down privacy-wise, and even then, they are both very careful about what they post. I've even googled both of their names, and I'm not finding anything on those private database sites involving their info, so that part remains a mystery. I still welcome ideas on how their families are tracking them. The biggest update, though, is that Justin and Ray have become an informal lifeline out of their creepy hometown, which has been really cool to see. The oldest of Justin's little sisters was the first one. She turned 18 early last year and reached out to Justin on Instagram. She had been accepted to college and her parents forbade her from going and had upped their strictness, including grounding her because they were so pissed she applied at all. Justin sent her a plane ticket and she followed in his footsteps, packed up essential belongings when her parents were both out of house and got the hell out of Dodge. She stayed with him in our city and then in the fall moved to college and is living in the dorms there. Justin has assured her that she always has a home with him on her school breaks, and that if there is another COVID wave that closes her dorms and pushes her classes to being online only, she can come stay with him again and do her classes online from his house. The next Lifeline recipient was a 19-year-old boy that Justin and Ray didn't really know, who had been a friend of Justin's sister from school. He stayed in touch with her after she got out, and Justin ended up buying a plane ticket for him too. He actually came and stayed with me since I had a spare room and Justin's sister was still at his place at that time. And he was a really cool little dude. And yes, I started getting people showing up at my door after he moved in. Wild times. I helped him get a job and after a few months, he moved into a home share with roommates his own age. We all still see him around a lot and he seems to be doing really well. Let me tell you, the kid is overjoyed with the casual dating model in the secular world and has been putting a lot of mileage on the apps. He doesn't think that he wants to go to college, but I've been encouraging him to look at trade programs and apprenticeships. We'll see. The most recent recipient of the Justin and Ray Instagram DM Foundation for Cult Escapism is Ray's 25-year-old cousin. She was stuck in an abusive marriage and the religious group slash her family was basically telling her to suck it up and deal with it and be a submissive godly wife and try harder to get pregnant to make her husband happy. She got in touch with Ray because she had no one else to turn to and Ray helped her get out and come to our city. That's been a bit of a weird situation because unlike the other two, the cousin is still more or less a true believer. She only left because she was convinced her husband would kill her, and she's been kind of shitty and termophobic about Ray's wife, even though Ray is literally the only one helping her. 
but Ray has been an absolute angel to her despite that and keeps telling us that deprogramming takes time when we complain about her. It's unclear how the family feels about Justin and Ray helping the three escapees or whether they are blaming them as corrupting influences. Weirdly, the cousin and the friend have both been getting the same harassment that Justin and Ray have consistently gotten over the years, but Justin's sister hasn't heard a single peep, either here at our city or away at college. Beats me as to why or what the difference is. Anyway, I hope that satisfies the interest of anyone who still thinks about this post or who has messaged me. I'll end this with a plug for the Safe Passage Foundation, which is a non-profit that gets vulnerable people out of cults. If this is an issue that you care about, I encourage you to support them however you can. And now in the comments, I just read all about the story and have a theory about how they are being tracked. If the cult has such a grip on their hometown, is it possible that there are members in the local police or sheriff's department? If that's true, they might be able to illegally use law enforcement databases to track Justin, Ray, and the other escapees. This is what I thought, as well as though the bank, as they can put marks on a credit report, as well as pulling information from them. So each time you change providers, they would be able to look at the report. Though the big one probably is the post office, so any change of address will be visible to them. This would allow them to know when they move. They should get a PO box. They should change their SSN and last name if they have not already done so. Since their family has that information, they could get information through a search that way. How on earth are they tracking these poor people down? It's pretty easy and unfortunately legal. You can buy an updated address from data brokers who sell personal information. If you are hiding from a cult, get a post office box a town over. That explains the address, but not the hospital. Also, is that address immediately available like the OP seems to infer? I don't work for a data collection broker, so I don't know all the inner workings. I can tell you from personal experience though, it is instant. As an example, I have never done business with Sirius XM. I get several flyers in the mail addressed to me per week. The moment I put in a change of address from the post office, I had new Sirius XM flyers. They even beat my moving van. Data brokers are scary. For all those wondering how they keep getting found, here are some of the invasive tactics the Mormon church uses to track down members who try to leave. It is a gigantic list, I'll put it down in the description below if you want to check it out. I don't think Ray and Justin were Mormons, though it sounds like some of the polygamous sects, but anyone can use these tactics to track people. Marriage and divorce records are public, for example, and can combine with property records, phone records, etc. to track people down. And of course, it's possible to escalate beyond this list of strategies, like hiring PIs, as another poster mentioned. The mention of family members working in the organization's banks and reports of tax fraud and weapons possession makes me suspect the Kingston clan, which is one of the polygamist cults. I'm not familiar with the Kingston clan, but I thought the tax plus weapon sounds Rocky Mountain to me. It had to be relatively small, or they wouldn't be afraid to reveal their denomination, and there is certainly no shortage of tiny, crazy groups. Yup, they are some of Utah's finest. I learned them through escaping polygamy. The girls on the show are all from that group, and there's also a girl on TikTok, Cole's Place, who does Q&A content about leaving and surviving the group. Fascinating, but also sad and gross what they believe. I knew someone who escaped from a quiverful adjacent cult whose family pulled a little bit of tracking crap like this. 
The cult had infiltrated legitimate organizations at high levels. In this case, banks. My friend opened up a private bank account with an unaffiliated bank a few towns over. But either it's a small world in that industry, or maybe there's some software that lets them see additional accounts or lines of credit. Regardless, my friend's mother, unbeknownst to my friend, found a way to quietly add herself to the new bank account so that she was getting statements and other notices mailed directly to her. When my friend finally physically escaped to her own apartment in the dead of night, she almost immediately started getting guilt tripping, you are going to hell if you don't return to the fold, letters to her brand new supposed to be secret address. Since the mum worked in banking, and friend had just updated the address associated with her new bank account, it was easy to put two and two together. Note that the mother didn't reveal that she knew about this bank account. She just sat on the information until she could weaponize it to stalk and terrorize her daughter when she stepped out of line. These psychos are diligent. They have the numbers and self-restraint needed to work their way into positions of power in legitimate industries over literally generations. And they feel entitled to use that secular institutional power for God's purpose, or whatever the F they're telling themselves. It's an abusive, highly patriarchal belief structure that feeds off of utterly controlling and owning those that belong to the flock. And of course, also hurting outsiders and sinners whenever possible. Look up the Dominionists, Mike Pence and his ilk. There are many sects in the US under this umbrella. Many of them are in positions of political and corporate power already by design. They are highly organized, and tracking their wayward children is the least of what they can do and feel entitled to. Look up the Federalist Society. The belief system that OP describes is currently rewriting American jurisprudence and society. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And that is goddamn terrifying. If you enjoyed that one, let me know what you thought of it down below, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.